0: Praise God, and we stand and believe him. Amen. Well, um, again, to our regular members, new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. And God will draw near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, ranging things in your favor. Make a way even when we don't see it. Our servant team. Okay, and now we have disturbances and distractions. we're still going to move on in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Our serving team today is Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, who is also sitting in for our Minister of Music, Helena Thompson, who is recovering from treatment. Prayer by the worship leader. The preached word by Dr. Millicent Black, our pastor. Invitation to discipleship, Greta Ayers. Announcement by our pastor, Dr. Black. And I am Rochelle, filling in as worship leader today for our own Carolyn Cunningham. Today is the first Saturday of the month. We'll be offering the Lord's Supper, our Holy Communion. So sometime before we arrive at that point in the service, please gather your elements of a piece of bread or cracker along with water, juice, or wine. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers for... Refuge from the Storm Church members, the Worldwide Church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who have died from targeting, pray for all government officials to be moved by the Holy Spirit and to discern the will of God for this country, this nation. Please pray for world peace. Pray for Jerusalem, Israel, the worldwide climate crisis, all refugees, particularly Haitian and African who have suffered extreme abuses in their country. Pray for all victims of gun violence, stabbings, and all violence and their families. Pray for all children, especially the missing and trafficked. Pray for TIs who have had their children taken away unjustly by an unjust court system. Pray for the unhoused, both targeted and untargeted, to obtain housing that will help them to have peace without satanic frequencies harming them. Praise God. Praise God. No distractions. We thank God for that. So next, we will have an opening recorded praise and worship song, after which will be a prayer and scripture.
1: Where would we be if not for the grace of God, grace that releases miracles in our lives? Thank God for another new year, brand new, new year, happy new year to all of you. May your year be prosperous and full of grace and full of, of favor and full of victory that comes only through Jesus Christ. Where would we be? If not for His grace, I pray that you all spent your New Year's Eve in a church service somewhere or with people who were having uh, memories of God's grace. Oh, Sister Helena says there's a great, a beautiful rainbow that just appeared where she is in Washington State as we, as we listen to them sing to us about grace. Well, hallelujah for God's grace today, I give honor and praise to God, our Father, and to Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer, and to the precious Holy Spirit, who is the light in us that lights up the world. Mm -hmm. Thank God for each of you that are with us. I pray that you have been blessed by the service this far, and if you'll just stay with us, We'll try and continue to give you food that is worthy of your palate. I want to acknowledge and recognize our ministry team. We are in need of some help, but thank God for the help that we have for those who are willing to step in and to give your your uh, your gifts and your talents for God's service and for His use. Brother Bob is our. Zoom moderator. He is uh, assuming the task of our web master. He is also standing in the gap as our uh, our worship music minister today. And for that, we are thankful. Sister Helena got got busy and and, and, uh, organized the songs and he is playing them in your hearing. Thank you, Brother Bob. There is uh, Sister Helena who got up from her 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 bed of of recovery and got busy seeking God about the music to play today. It's something about not just standing up and singing, whatever comes up, but really just meditating and asking God, what'll bring you glory today? How can we enter into worship? And then hearing him and following his instructions, we get the blessing that way so thank you sister helena for the role that you played and minister rochelle y'all she's a jack of all trades jill of all trades and aren't you glad that she shares her trades with us she is standing in the gap for elder carolyn today she has has been our prayer leader and and she was threatening to be our song leader too but And we would have accepted it, but she's got so many tasks to do this afternoon. She decided to leave the singing to someone else. However, she will be back at that task also in our hearing very soon. Thank you, Minister Rochelle, for, for being just such a wonderful and cooperative servant of our fathers. We bring the services to him in worship. Then there's Sister Greta, who is our invitation to discipleship uh, leader. And she's that's a very important position to have because she's responsible for reminding people of the way to salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of you, I give God glory and praise and thank him for sending you my way. Our way, actually. This afternoon, Uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Job. I began to think and meditate on Job a couple of weeks ago as I was reading through the scripture. My eyes kept falling on a specific phrase in a certain section, and I thought, wow, God, what if? And and I just continued to to meditate and do some research and read the scriptures from more than one Bible and got a word from the Lord. As we turn to Job chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 13 through 20 and be discussing other parts of the first chapter. And then obviously we can't leave without getting to the end of the book. But we're going to be starting over in chapter one of of the book of Job. That's just before the book of Psalms. And I'm starting at verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now pay attention to how many times you hear that, I alone have escaped to tell you. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped. To tell you. Then Job rose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come today to worship you without God having heard bad news today. We're so glad, oh God, that you're the God who sees and knows and cares. Father, your word says that your eyes are upon the righteous and your ears are attentive to our prayers, to our call. And so, Lord, we come this day asking you, Father God, to bless your word, bless our ears to hear God, bless our hearts to receive. God, I purposely submit myself to you and surrender, oh God, to you all that I am, that you might make me all that you want me to be in Jesus name. Amen. So the title of the message this afternoon is The Only One Left. Four times someone came to Job and said, gave him bad news and said, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So we're going to look a little bit more closely at the phrase, the only one left. (laughs) Now, when we think of the only one left, In shopping, it could be the last item on the shelf that you needed to take home in your bag. In flying, it could be the last seat on the plane before you would have not been able to reach your destination. It could be the last pair of shoes in your size at the store or the last one, the last $1 bill left in your pocket. In a family, it could be the last aunt or uncle, brother or sister living. In most cases, the thought of the last one is attached to some sad feeling because it generally means a loss of some kind, a loss of a bargain, a lost flight, a loss or lack of more money, loss of a loved one or the end of a generation. But then there are some times when the last one left brings much joy. The last class before graduation. So All of us that have graduated from high school have experienced that zeal, that joy, overwhelming feelings. Then there's the last day before school is out. It doesn't matter what grade you're in, from kindergarten to 12th grade and any college you attend, everybody is excited about the last day of class. There's the last reg of leg of the race or the last leg of the journey when you're driving from point A to point B, especially if it's across across country on a trip. We're all glad to reach our destination. And the last day to work before vacation or retirement begins. Some people just can't wait until they retire. That last day of walking out the door, knowing that you don't have to come in, again, that brings so much joy. (laughs) The author of the book of Job is unknown. It is considered Hebrew poetry, though it is said that it was written by ancient wise men. Job is called an epic poem and is considered to be the oldest book in the Bible. The place where Job lived is called Uz. The exact location is not known except that it is probably east of the Jordan River. Uz was accessible to Sabian raiders who came from a place called Sheba. Uz was also open land to the Chaldeans of Babylon. This territory bordered the Persian Gulf. Job was a wealthy man. He is said to be the greatest of all people. Yet, Job lost everything to attacks. Sent by Satan. Job was never made aware of the conversation between God and Satan, as that was a spiritual encounter. However, when we look at Job, Job was a good man. In fact, God called him blameless and upright. Job's personality was that of of open-hearted and open-handed. He loved to help the needy. He would stand up for those who were being mistreated. He helped the women, the widows, and the orphans. He gave advice to the young men, and he sat with the old men at the gate to do so. Job's worship habits were those to be desired by many even today. For Job, loved spending time in God's presence. Job was not slack to give uh, to, to give alms, and so that meant that he was also a tither. And in my my uh, Bible commentary, it said that his giving contributed to him be, being a wealthy man. And then Job believed in covering his family, for we were told that he often sacrificed for each child not for the family as a whole, not for himself and his wife and then his children. But when Job went to prayer, Job gave sacrifice for each of his seven sons and his three daughters. One of the good things about Job's situation is that God is always watching and we can always be proud to be able to say, God is my witness. Because oftentimes things happen to us. Things just keep on happening sometimes. We used to say that it was just bad luck. Now that we know that it's attacks from the enemy and those who are sent by, the, by Satan himself to wreak havoc in our lives, we still can find confidence in knowing that God is watching. Now, when we look at what was happening before Job began to get bad news. We'll see that there, was a, there were meetings in heaven every morning. And it says that the angels gathered around to meet with God, and we were told they'd get their assignments each morning. But this particular morning, and I'm sure every morning they met, Satan came around to see what he could hear so that he could try and run and wreak havoc before the good began in the life of the people God was sending the angels to. And so God had a conversation with Satan, asking him, well, well, what are you doing here? And Satan was looking for mischief as usual. And God said to him, have you tried my servant, Job? He said, actually, have you considered my servant? Job. Notice how God addressed Job, my servant. Now, there had to have been some things in Job's background, as I've just told you about his personality, his worship habits, and how he prayed that God knew that Job could be trusted with the matter. In fact, I remember back in 2006, talking to a lady on the phone, and she had just come from a revival in another city, and she was so excited because the sermon that came from the visiting evangelist was from the book of Job, and she said, and his title was, Have You Been Considered? She talked about how God and Satan had a conversation, and when it was time to select someone for Job to take a, uh, pot shot set because that's what began to happen. God had said to him have you considered my servant Job? Do you think how long God might have waited how long he might have hesitated before he said Job wonder if he had to look back through his mind at who he'd seen worshipping and praying the day before or the night before or that very morning wonder if he had to look at some and say oh I can't suggest them because they don't believe even praying every day. I can't suggest them because they don't go to church on Sunday. I can't suggest them because they don't care how they live. But there's Job. I remember watching him day by day and hearing him call out to me in prayer and taking the things in for sacrifice for his family. And so he said to Satan, have you considered my servant, Job? And then I remembered another time that I was talking to the paralegal of a lawyer that I had been been trying to higher concern in a situation with my dad. And this young woman, the lawyer was closing up her office and going to work for the state. And the, the young woman still had some of my files. And she called me one morning and said, I want to make arrangements to meet you, to give you your files back. And then we were talking about the things that I was going through very lightly. I, be, I was aware that everyone seems to know what I'm going through. They seem to know how, what I'm thinking or what the enemy is thinking in my head as he tries to frame me. They seem to know what my surroundings look like and what I look like in the morning for that matter. But she said, I attended the funeral of my pastor's wife the other week and Bishop Paul Morton was was up for comments. She said, and as he talked, he turned around to my pastor and he said, who are you to God? That he would trust you with this matter. She says, So I say to you this morning, who are you to God that he would trust you with this matter? And as we think of the situation and the circumstances that Job was going to be facing once God allowed Satan to have at him, we had to know that Job was somebody that God knew that he could trust. But I could say to each of you this morning, who are this afternoon, who is on the call. You have to know that you're somebody special to God, that he would allow the enemy at you because you're still standing. God couldn't choose some of the people because he knew they couldn't take the heat. Some of the others wouldn't stay up late at night to pray and others wouldn't get up early in the morning to pray. Some would would drop out of church altogether and some would just sit on the sidelines and say, I'm mad at God and they would move another father. But God knew when he chose you, That he could trust you with this matter. What is the matter? The matter is telling the world that there's hope in serving a living and alive God. That because we get up every morning to the daylight, the sun is allowed to change places with the moon and the stars and give us light for our path. We're not groping in the darkness. God knows that he could trust us with this matter and we can know that we can trust God to bring us through. And then as we look just a little bit ahead, we can get to consider Jesus and, and, and ask ourselves. And so God trusted Jesus with a matter. But Jesus was part of the Godhead. And so God removed the hedge from around Job. Satan said, well, you know, Job has to worship you because if he didn't, you'd, you'd let him fall. And all you know how the enemy likes to talk big and ugly. And God did just what the enemy said he would not do. God removed that hedge and he said, you can do anything but harm his head. And so the enemy didn't know Though God took the hedge away, Job would still be in his hand. I have to encourage you today with that. Just that little thought. Even though God seems to have taken the hedge away from you and the enemy is running roughshod in your life, you're still in his hand. And he still has the whole world in his hands. God knew that though he let the enemy at Job and Job's belongings and Job's children, that God could still control what happened. And so the velocity of the wind was still under God's control. The heat of the fire was still in God's control and life and death never left God's hands. So God never had reason to be concerned. In fact, Jesus himself as he talked to the disciples out of John chapter 10, he says, "I, you're in my hands and I put you in his hands, God's hands, and, and he and I are one. So we're twice covered. He said, no man can snatch you out. But in spite of being in God's hands and Job was so devastated by all of the losses, his seven sons and three daughters, his 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, that and all of his servants that died in the attacks, Job grieved. And one thing that we never seem to think about a one person is Job's wife. We have to know that she was grieving. We do find out that when God took the hedge away from Job's head and allowed Satan to even have at Job's body and his his life. Job's wife gave him advice out of her humanness. When she said, Why don't you just curse God and die? But what we did not think about is what in the world could she have been thinking as she missed her sons and missed her daughters as she missed the gatherings that they had around their table. And they missed the meetings up at the time, at the place of worship. Job's wife was grieving also, but then we found out that when Satan began to touch Job's body, Job still remained in God's hands. God controlled the boils. He controlled the infection. God controlled the pain and God controlled the grief. It's something about getting sick or having a cold or having infection, having anything else go on when you're grieving. We've all loved people that we love so much. And without them around us, boy, life seems so hard. But if something else comes up, it compounds the grief. And so imagine where Job was. As he said, naked, I came out of my father's womb, a mother's womb, and naked shall I return. When he got the, the, the word about the children, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We were told that Job worshipped when he got all of that bad news. But we are not told that Job worshipped when his body began to come under attack. And unfortunately, the friends came around. So Job was in grief and the friends did not know how to comfort him. Yet God controlled the time until the end of that matter. We aren't told exactly how long it took for Job to go through this test. I remember going into a church one Sunday morning that I was visiting and the pastor's wife got up and led a song that was entitled, It's Only a Test. Well, I remember thinking, if it's only a test, then when is it going to end? Well, no one was around to tell Job it was only a test. Those friends came around to see what he'd done. that made God so mad at him. He must have done something, they said. and Only one young person tried to take up for him, and he was soon shut up by the others. But when I thought about the time that God controlled how long Job would have to go through, I was taken to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. And I'm going to read them because they're that important to us as we go through our times of suffering, our times of being assaulted, our times of sleep deprivation and things coming up missing from our homes and from our vehicles and from our bank accounts, some of us. Those scriptures says he controls the times and the seasons he makes and unmakes kings it is he who gives wisdom and understands he reveals things that are deep and secret he knows what is hidden in darkness and he himself is surrounded by light obviously the he is god and then psalm 31:15 tells us my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies. Time means the various events that come into our lives. Job did have his times of his confessions of faith in God in spite of what he had lost and what he was going through. And that's something that we have to look at. Lots of times people tell us that we're having a Job experience for me, it's been 28 years, you all. I don't know how long it will take. For some of you, it's been weeks and months that you've found out that you were being, had been selected for suffering and targeted for torture. For others, it's been a few years, and yes, for some of us, decades. You see, Job was constantly being met by the only one left to bring him the bad news. Satan will see to it that there's always one left to bring you the bad news. But God himself came to bring Job the good news. That good news was that he still had him and the whole world in his hands. Job's friends couldn't help Job grieve nor could they help him heal, but there was one who could heal and replace what was lost. That same devil walks around the earth today. He comes day and night to steal, kill, and destroy. He still uses Sabians and Chaldeans, some from next door, others across town, and yet others from across the country. But they come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God sent one. Only one could save the whole world at one time. Only one is able to live in a world full of tricks, traps, and snares, and yet he not sin. Only one could take the accusations, the criticisms, and the jabs about his faith, as we have to do sometimes, and still show the naysayers that all power was in his hands. Only one could hang on a cross, sleep in a cave for a grave, defeat hell and the grave, and keep on living forever. Only one could ascend to heaven, but leave the door open to eternal life that one by one, we could walk through it. Aren't you glad that one was left to tell it? And so what if you were the only one left to tell the good news that the Savior has come? What if you looked around and sometimes we are the only one in the crowd that can tell the people that there's still hope in serving a living and alive God. Sometimes we're the only one that'll say a scripture or even a prayer before having lunch in a restaurant. What if you were the only one? Could you convince someone to follow Jesus based on Job's story? Could you tell them that I am going through so much I've had so many hard days and so much hard time and yet, praise God, I don't look like what I've been through. Could you be the one? That would tell them that in spite of the, the lost job and the lost home and sometimes the lost car, God never failed me because he's the one that I could depend on, the one that I could turn to, the one that I could run to, the one who would always hear me when I cry. Can you be the one to convince someone as you walk through this life that Jesus still saves? He's still the one. He was the one that God left to remind us that he's still God. He has the whole world in his hands and Jesus has all the power that he shared with us so that we could also be the left one, the one left standing, the one left to tell. God bless you and amen.